man comes up to a preacher at the end of the worship service and the worship service has been about righteousness and the preacher has been beating on his Bible and talking about how the congregation is supposed to be righteous and he says to him, well, self-righteousness is better than no righteousness at all, isn't it? <laughs> nope, my brothers and sisters, nope, that is not the case. No. That's how most people view the church. I'm righteous. I'm better than you. I may not be perfect, but I'm just a little bit better than you. That's how the world views Christians as a bunch of self-righteous blowhards. People that you don't need to pay much attention to because they say one thing and then do the other. People that you really can't take seriously because even though they might say good things, they don't do them. Not even close. So you've got the, the self-righteous person who thinks they're righteous. Look at me. Pay attention to me. How righteous I am. Then you've got the self-righteous, the well, I never self-righteous biddies. I used to call them my blue-haired biddy brigade. There's a bunch of little old ladies who sit in the back pews in one of my old churches. And they used to sit back. There's a whole line of them. And when the sun was coming in through the windows just the right way, they'd blind you up on the, in the chancel area from the reflection of the light. Ah! And they'd sit in the back there. And when you said something that they, what they, they liked to hear, they'd nod their heads. Oh, yes. Amen, brother. Amen, brother. And when you said something they didn't agree with, they'd go, hmm. I love them all. They're really sweet ladies, but sometimes you could almost tell your sermon was getting through by their reaction. And their favorite response was when I'd say something that was just a little bit over the top, they'd go, well, I never. Well, I never. If you can't figure it out, they're North Carolinian ladies. Oh, well, I never. And then there's the self-righteous know-it-all who knows absolutely everything and is going to make sure that you know what that everything is. Because he's going to explain it to you over and over again. Sometimes that's me, friends. Self-righteous, egotistical, truly self-centered. Self-righteousness is not God's righteousness. Self-righteousness is not holy righteousness. Self-righteousness is not the kind of righteousness that God would have us to have. Self-righteousness is a self-seated, self-entrenched, self-understanding of what you think is right and what you think is wrong. Well, I'm trying to do what I believe God wants to be done. I'm, I'm trying to do what I think God wants to be done. Well, good intentions are one thing, friends, but there's a difference, a big difference between what you think God wants done and what God wants done. Because none of us are God. True righteousness, therefore, calls for humility. True righteousness calls forth a realization that we don't 
always know. In fact, we almost never know the whole truth. And that the glimpses that we do have of God's will, amazing as they may be, may only be for us. For God's will for me is probably not God's will for you in every respect. And likewise, God's will for people 2,500 or 3,500 or 4,500 years ago, and people, God's will for people today may not be the same in every respect because context is different, circumstances are different, the world is different, relationships are different. I'll give you an example. In the ancient world, women, y'all were property. Joanne, Joanne, Charlie owed you in the ancient world. Look at that. <laughs> She's going, uh-uh, and he's going, uh-uh. <laughs> Watch how you answer that one, Charlie. In the ancient world, women had no legal existence. I've already said that here many times, but it's true and needs repeating. In the ancient world, women were property. They did not have a legal existence. Therefore, how God's will would be articulated regarding that circumstance was different than how we understand that will today. And passages in the Bible that seem to assume male ownership of women don't apply. And there are other examples of the same thing. Humility as to regarding God's will is the beginning of righteousness. What is righteousness? Well, there you see the Hebrew word, tzedek. Hebrew is a strange language. First of all, to me, it always kind of looked like Klingon. The, the scratchings that didn't really make a whole lot of sense. First of all, it's written not from left to right, but from right to left. Oh boy, that's tough. From right to left, and it has no vowels. Huh? Nope. No vowels. So that could be sodok, it could be siduk, it could be tzaduk. It could be sudok. There's lots of different things it could be. And every one of those is a possible word in Hebrew. And some of them may not be very nice. So I hope the people in Israel don't get hurt by that one. Okay. And uh, you notice I put down beneath each letter the consonants uh, transliterating it. T-S, the D, and the K. Tzedek. Here, I'll add in the vowels to make it easier. That's what the vowels look like. Uh, about, uh, oh... A thousand years after Jesus, they decided, you know, that's a little hard to read, these, uh, read the language without the vowels, so let's add vowels in. So the Masoretes added vowels in, and those are two long E's, those three little dots, and that one little swoosh line is an accent mark. Those are two E's, long E's, making it say, Tzedek. Tzedek is the Hebrew word for righteousness. The Hebrew word for righteousness. Actually, tzedek is the Hebrew word for justice. 
It's rooted in the concept of balance. Sedex, Siddiq, is to be balanced one to another, which is, of course, the image of the scales in justice. When things balance out, when you have balance, you have justice, you have righteousness. That's the idea here behind Sedek. It's doing the right thing. It's following in God's ways. It's doing God's will. Notice not your will and not your ways, but God's will and God's way. It's doing the right thing. And it's also doing the right thing in the right way for the right reason. Intentionality is a part, an important part of tzedek, of righteousness, of justice. It's not so much obedience as it is having your will conformed to God's will. Now that takes a little thinking, so let's think for just a moment on that one. When we prayed earlier this morning, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done. If you truly prayed that prayer with meaning, in truth, in your heart, with faith, if you prayed that prayer, not just running through it by rote, but if you really meant it when you prayed it, that means you are willing, you are setting yourself open and available to have your will conformed to God's will. You are setting aside your will and replacing it, allowing God to replace it with His will. To pray, thy will be done on earth means in your life, especially in your life. It's one thing to pray it about other things and other people, but in truth, it's about you. In fact, you could almost change that prayer to say, to adjust the translation slightly to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Wow, what a thought. Hmm. Tzedek, righteousness, justice, doing the right thing, following in God's ways, doing God's will, having your will set aside so that God's will takes preeminence. That's righteousness. Now let's see it applied. We had an excellent reading today from Isaiah. I want to pick up on Isaiah 42, 6 through 8. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness, 
I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. Let's take that a piece at a time. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I was at the airport the other week, and as I was walking down, I saw this little child come running out of the eating kiosk area there across from the gates at Terminal C, and he comes running out across the walkway. In the middle of all this traffic of people going back and forth, and those little carts, they're going ah, 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 as they drive along. And everybody else who's just paying no attention to anything else but trying to get to their gate because, as usual, they changed me from Terminal C, Gate 1 to Terminal C, Gate 33. And you got five minutes to make it to the gate. And that is lovely when they do that. Used to be you didn't have to worry about that so much at DFW. If you were changing planes there, it was a nightmare. But leaving from there is okay. Not anymore, apparently. Well, this child goes running out across the walkway. And I go, oh my gosh. And then I see a dad, a great big tall man, come running out from that kiosk area across, takes his son's hand and turns around and leads him back across to the eating area. And the little kid doesn't know that anything's wrong. Just walking along, looking up at daddy with adoration in his eyes. That was a beautiful mental image for me of God and us. We've run out into traffic. We've run out where we shouldn't be. And God comes and takes our hand. God comes and takes us and keeps us. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. That's the first piece here of how righteousness lives its life out. Recognizing, realizing, and accepting the reality that we live in the amazing, continual, abiding, real presence of Jesus. That there's no place that you can go or be where Jesus is not. That God is always with you will always be with you, no matter where you are, no matter what you may do, God is there. No matter what you face, no matter how painful it is, no matter how alone you may feel, nevertheless, God is there. That was the essential meaning of the Advent and Christmas season. Emmanuel, God with us. It's part of the message of righteousness. In fact, all of righteousness, all of true, godly, divine righteousness is rooted in the fact that we live our lives as Christians in the immediate presence of Jesus. That's point number one. The second piece, I have given you as a covenant to the people a light to the nation. We are a covenant people. We're not a contract people. Contracts are established by two equal parties. They enter into a legal contract with each other, they negotiate the terms, and then they sign the contract, 
and it becomes binding on them. That's not a covenant. A covenant is established by one party. There is no negotiation on the terms. The greater party makes the decision as to what the terms will be. The lesser party can accept the terms or not accept the terms. And the covenant is established. For Christians, the covenant occurs at the point of baptism. When we are baptized, we are immersed into the covenant of Jesus Christ. We are immersed into the body of Jesus. We are immersed into the relationship with Christ. We become part of the covenant community. We become part of the community of grace in our baptisms. God has made us a covenant people, a light to the nations. The part of that covenant is not just to receive God's grace, to live in the presence of Jesus, to know the love of God in our lives, but also then to share, to proclaim to the world, to the nations, to all, to others, the good news of the love of God, the good news of the presence of God, the good news of the salvation of God, the good news of the grace of God to others. So, we live in the presence of God, and we are called to be that covenant people sharing that grace with others. And then thirdly, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. Huh. Now that one has always kind of given me a moment of pause. To open the eyes that are blind, that I can kind of get. Because blindness is something that we all experience. You ever been dazzled by lights on the highway at night trying to drive and suddenly bango, you get this light shined right in your eyes and suddenly you cannot see a thing? That's how most of the world is all the time, friends. Dazzled, unable to see, but it's not by the light of God. It's by the immeasurable darkness of sin. To bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prisons, those who sit in darkness. That sounds like we're supposed to be a bunch of jailbreakers. Yep. We are a bunch of jailbreakers. The church is supposed to be a bunch of of jailbreakers, breaking people out of the prisons, of the dungeons of sin and evil, of the darkness of oppression, of sin and evil, breaking the bars that our sins have built around us, ripping apart the barriers that we have built around ourselves in our self-centered sinfulness. That, my brothers and sisters, is the calling of the righteous, and indeed what righteousness looks like. Oh. To recap, righteousness is to experience and proclaim God's real presence, to shine forth the love of God for all the world to see so that all might come to know God and to establish and live in God's justice.
Back to the passage. I am the Lord, I have called you in righteousness, in tzedek, in justice, in balance. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. In the last sentence, I am the Lord, Yahweh. Interesting, I am Yahweh. I am is Yahweh. Yahweh, Yahweh. I am the I am. I am the one who is. I am Yahweh. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. Righteousness means following Yahweh, following the balance that Yahweh has for us. Righteousness is not rules and regulations. Behaviors that we do or don't do, nor is it even perfection. Righteousness is recognizing that we are in the immediate, real presence of Yahweh God, being a light of God's love to others, living with justice towards others and self. Huh. Well, I thought righteousness was being holy. No. I thought righteousness was sitting on that back pew and going, well, I never. No. I thought righteousness was saying, uh, she's doing something that I know she ought not to be doing. No. Righteousness is establishing balance, the balance of God in our lives, a balance that is maintained by grace, by grace through faith. Being sick this last week has been brought to mind the importance of balance in one's living. Sometimes I'll be aboard a ship and I'll be walking along and I've learned how to walk when I'm on a ship at sea, especially after I've gotten my sea legs. Walk along and things are going nice and rockety and if you've got good balance you can make it along without much trouble at all. But if you don't have good balance, watch out. Well, me, this past week, I've been stumbling around the house as if I was at sea and force, gale force winds or something. I mean, it's just like the whole building has been just spinning around me at times. And I haven't had the fun stuff on the weekend to, to make it worthwhile, Jeff. Just been, uh. Sometimes you've got to be careful, and it takes balance. It takes deliberation, intention, and careful attention to detail to maintain the balance that we must have. And all of that is faith, a willingness to simply step out in faith and trust in God, that God's will will be made clear you through scripture interpreted by tradition and experience and reason now some people would say well that's just too tough give me a bunch of rules and regulations and I can do it sorry that's 
That's not the answer. Faith is the answer. The rules and regulations produces self-righteousness. Faith produces God's righteousness. Our brothers and sisters in the Jewish faith have a saying. Sedek, Sedek. Tordorf, that's right. I forget it when I don't even have the vowels up there. I, I forget that last word. Sedek, Sedek, Torof. It means literally, justice, justice shall you pursue. Sedek, Sedek, Torof. Justice, justice shall you pursue. It's not you may pursue it. It's not you might want to pursue it. You shall pursue it. If you live by faith, you must have the balance of God, the justice of God, the righteousness of God. Those are all the same words, friend. They're all tzedek. You must have the tzedek of God in your life. And if you have that balance of God in your life, then as you take steps of faith, it doesn't mean you won't from time to time stumble. Of course you will. It's not perfection, but it is balance. And if you take steps of faith, as you continually take more steps of faith in the tzedek of God, you get better at it. You become more balanced. You become more agile, more able to move through even the worst possible storms of life. Yeah, you'll stumble, but God's tzedek is there to pick you back up and keep you on the way. Tzedek, tzedek. Justice, justice, shall you pursue. Pursue it, my brothers and sisters, through faith in Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let me dwell in your have been listening to a sermon by Dr. Gregory Neal, Senior Pastor of Northgate United Methodist Church and Rector of Grace Incarnate Ministries. Copyright 2014 by Dr. Gregory S. Neal. All rights reserved. For more information or to listen to other sermons by Dr. Neal, visit us on the web at www.revneal.org. That's www.revneal.org. You are also invited to visit us in person at Northgate United Methodist Church, 3700 West Northgate Drive, Irving, Texas, 75062. This program was produced by Dr. Gregory Neal.